Ah, the smell of perfect pizza. The carpet of wet leaves on the sidewalk. Ambulances and traffic running 24-7. Intimidatingly fashionable outerwear. New York City is one of my favorite cities in the world, and there's no better time to be there than the fall. I mean, have you seen When Harry Met Sally? Come on. And how much more beautiful will all of our cities be when they're perfected in the love and the grace of God? But how shall they know about his grace unless someone tells them? What better place, what better time to come and refresh yourself on the art and craft of preaching than New York in November? Register now for Preaching in a Post-Christian Age. This is a three-day Living Church conference in the heart of Manhattan where you can enjoy world-class keynotes, conversations with experts, warm fellowship with other Christian leaders, and hone your skills as a preacher of God's Word. And we might have dinner at a speakeasy, just saying. Tickets start at just 50 bucks. Find more information at livingchurch.org forward slash events or click the link in the show notes today. That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Hey Jake, happy socialism weekend. Dude, we can't say that, we're Americans. So anyway, um... Uh, yeah, it's Labor Day weekend, which many people think is just 4th of July part du that it's just uh, America is great uh, or something. They, ju- they just know it's a holiday for barbecuing and uh, drinking beers with your buds. But it is, uh, you know, you, you know this, listeners, uh, it's, it's labor unions and who fought for <laughs> things like weekends and 40-hour uh, work weeks and um, that if you're eight years old, you shouldn't be working uh, in a factory. Well, you really should, That's take, what labor we is really should take those away because who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for those weekends? So Those anyway, weekends. so much productivity lost. <laughs> yeah, think think what we could do. So, but anyway, well, but yeah. Besides, uh, besides your socialistic leanings, uh, how are you doing? I don't have any socialistic leanings. I just, you know, read the <laughs> gospels. That Jesus always talking about giving away possessions. Uh, Unbelievable. Yes, we I think, we, um, we love Saint Jeff Bezos. So may, may yeah, his name be praised right. forever. I mean, he, he like. I mean, gosh, how many times have I used Amazon today? So much. I just help I've him, tried help to Jeff stop, out. Use it less. But anyway, that's just me. Well, I don't know. You're talking about who's a who's a socialist now. Um, I think uh, I'm. You know, with all of our listeners uh, who are preachers, as we head into Labor Day weekend, it is um, you know the end of whatever sort of slowing down of summer uh, stuff. You know, many churches alter their schedule a little bit or don't offer as many programs and uh it's all come it's all coming back to me it's all coming back to us so if you're a preacher and feeling especially weary this week uh that's uh we we feel you too um especially uh if you're in texas and still living in this heat dome which will not abate it seems uh but anyways um uh jake how are you feeling about the return to um 
sort of normalcy in Manhattan. We have one more week left, and then uh, next week is kickoff Sunday for us, September 10th. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, things are ramping up, and I can, feel, um, I can feel the anxiety building up and all of that. And just, you know, I mean, it, so many of us as rectors, and probably why you listen to this, is you're not just dealing with prepping for a Sunday sermon, you know. Uh, you've got other things going on. And um, anyway, I happen to be dealing with... Um, building woes. So I can uh, relate to the lament of our opening reading today from Jeremiah. So um, uh, I think yeah, we all here, can relate. It's, it's an amazing reading, so let's jump in. That was a beautiful segue, Jake. I just well, you know, I you. set that right up. So we're professionals. I mean, you're just, you are highly, highly gifted professional. <laughs> yeah, we have Jeremiah, who's been called by God, blessed by God, uh, sent into ministry by God, uh, and he has seen his ministry fail. Uh, or at least the people aren't listening to what he is saying. And so he he is in the, he's having a little pity party. Beth Moore, the uh, Bible writer and teacher from Houston, Texas, just put a video on um, her social media. She's a prolific uh, social media person of her doing the walk of shame from Target because she had done some grief shopping, like dealing with her pain hmm. by buying four t-shirts. And then she got home and realized she didn't need them. So she was like just going back to return stuff she didn't need. Um, and I thought that was such a touching thing, just the, the, the kind of wallowing in the bad feelings. And, um, and that's what Jeremiah is. He's, he says, look, I did what you told me. I, I, your words were found. I ate them. They were a, like this kind of um, poetic language of eating the, um, the word of God. And, so, and it tasted great. And he was going to share that with people. And it has not worked. He sounds a little bit like the older brother in the Luke 15 prodigal son mm. story. Like, I didn't sit in the company of merrymakers, nor did I rejoice. I didn't have any fun with my friends. I did what you told me. Under the weight of mm. your hand, I sat alone. I think about Jeremiah in like a middle school dance, like over in the corner, just sadly eating a pretzel while all his friends are bumping and grinding out there um, to the latest uh, latest hits. Um, and he's like, there I was alone, just eating my biscuit. Yeah. Um and uh, and now he says you are this, this is one of the most sort of um, shocking insults to God in the scriptures. Um, you know, sometimes the Psalms kind of dance around it like, why God are you far from me? But this is an accusation. Jeremiah says you are to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail. So imagine you're like, you know, thirsty, about to die in the desert. And you see a brook and you're running towards it and you find it and there's there's no water. It's all dried up. He says, that's what you're like, God. Um, mm. This is, you know, I'd like to go to a Christian bookstore and find an inspirational poster with like a <laughs> yeah. picture of a, just a dried up stream bed. And it says, God, you're like a deceitful brook. Jeremiah okay. chapter 15. But that's what he says. Yeah, why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Uh, uh, you know, it's... It is as I think uh, Robert Farrah Capon says it best. Uh, he says, uh, um, he says uh, living well certainly is the human race's commonest criterion for distinguishing the saved from the lost. But in the mystery of the kingdom, it is precisely sometimes living badly uh, that becomes the vehicle uh, for God's saving grace. And uh, that is exactly kind of what the prophet Jeremiah is all about. Yeah, and God... Uh, I love it. God doesn't um, uh, get indignant or anything. He just says, you know, c come back. Um, 
and I'll, I'll take care of you, basically. I am with you to save you and deliver you. So I think about a child throwing a tantrum, and, um, you know, God, our Heavenly Father, does not say, how dare you? I'll give you something to cry about. Like, that's the, that's the exact opposite of God's response. God says, I am with you to save you and deliver you. Just, you know, come back. <laughs> let me give you a hug. Um, it's going to be okay. And it's just, it's wonderful to see how little ego God has, how non-threatened, you know, the, um, when, a, when a parent gets insulted by a child, the parent, um, the worst mistake is to take it personally, to think it has anything to do with you. And of course, I have done that many times, but um, but really it's just the child kind of working out some stuff. And here mm-hmm. that's what Jeremiah is doing. And, and God can see that. God sees the heart. God sees in secret. God knows what's in his heart. And he realizes the pain and the loss and the mm-hmm. grief and all that. And so he's like, yeah, Jeremiah, go to Target and buy your four uh, shirts you don't need. And... Um, but look, I'm with you to save you and deliver you. Yeah. And it, of course, yeah. Anyways, what are you going to say? Oh, no, I just, uh, I think, you know, this is uh, what what makes Jeremiah, especially this particular passage, so amazing is, you know, he opens up by saying, you know, uh, don't you know? And Yahweh's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yahweh knows how, you know, Yahweh knows who Jeremiah is. Yahweh knows how much pain the service has caused Jeremiah. Uh, yeah. And uh, Yahweh is a God of justice in this sense. And, um, um, but, and I think that's the same thing with all of us. We go through moments where, uh, you know, you're just like, what the heck? Uh, what do yeah. I have to do? You know, um, I, you know t- dealing with a parishioner right now who has been like waiting and waiting for his children to get a visa so that they can come over to this country and see him. And, uh, you know, and we've been waiting and waiting and we pray like every day for this. And it's, you know, it's another roadblock. And you're like, really? Like, do you yeah. not know? And uh, I think it's really easy for us, you know, to uh, to put God in our debt. And this is what I love about Jeremiah is that it's very, very, uh, it's very true to life. This is not uh, the best life now. Uh, Jeremiah is not living out like some sort of perceived purpose uh, yeah. what, what's happening in kind of the, uh, the, the crisis that's called life oftentimes is uh, you're being prepared to uh, die well. And uh, you are being reminded that um, uh, God's ways are much, much more higher than, and I'm preaching to myself too right now, but God's ways are much higher than, than our own. And, uh, and so God never promises to make our lives easy, and he never makes... He never makes Jeremiah's life easy at all. As a matter of fact, as yeah. we read on, Jeremiah's life's about to get a whole heck of a lot harder. But uh, he does promise. He does promise to save and deliver us uh, from the wicked. And he does promise to save and deliver us uh, from ultimately sin and death itself in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And uh, this is the thing that we have to always cling to in the midst of it, is that God is working out something amazing that we're not going to fully understand to the end of time, you know. Uh, but uh, he does promise, and he's faithful to those promises, that he will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and uh, yeah. will redeem you out of the hand of the terrible, as he says. Yeah, but when do I get my best life? Yeah, well, I love that um, that great Babylon Bee article, and it was like, what was the headline? It was... Uh, Joel Steen reads the Bible for the first time and is totally shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I, I was hearing recently about a, a, 
a pastor somewhere that thinks that the Bible promises that you should be rich like yeah. if you're doing it right. And there's a lot of people that think stuff like that, or at least that things should go a certain way. I wish. Um, and, yeah, but I mean, just look to our um, our founder, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and all of the apostles. Terms, his life, yeah, I mean, in human terms, Jesus' life was a total failure in his lifetime, in his earthly lifetime. Um, and uh, he did not get rich quick or or slower in any mm-hmm. way. Um, yeah, so I think, and, and but ultimately, you know, if you preach this, there's a lot to say about being honest with God about in your prayer life. You don't need to, you know, be careful about God's feelings. You can tell God how you actually feel, and you can get honest with yourself. Like, I think a lot of Christians actually would resonate profoundly with what Jeremiah says here. Like, God, you're like something that just dried up when I needed you. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm caring for my elderly mom at home and the power goes out right when I'm about to like, you know, I need mm. to run her oxygen machine or something. It's like, you failed me at this key moment. And many people, I think, have those thoughts, but they tend to deny them or push them down or kind of compartmentalize them because you don't feel like you're allowed to have these thoughts. But the Bible says you're absolutely allowed to have these thoughts. And the reason is because once you get honest, once you come into the place of reality, then you are where God lives because God lives in reality. God doesn't live in falsehood or denial. And then you find out that God is actually gracious in that time. And so, and you, I think you point to Christ at the end of this, like how does God ultimately deliver us uh, out of the hand of the wicked? How does he um, save us and deliver us? He saves us through Christ who goes down into the deep and stormy waters with us um, so that he knows exactly what it's like and he, he redeems us. So, um, I think there's so much that's preachable here and so much kind of like a mirror where people can see themselves. Um, and, uh, and it's powerful if you do dare mm. to preach the Old Testament. Mm. That's good. So, well, we come to the, yeah. now we come to actually, I mean, descriptively speaking, uh, in light of that, uh, in good times and in bad times, as Dionne Warwick once sang, um, you know, we come to uh, Romans chapter 12. That's exactly what I was thinking, and I'm not singing it because somebody recently wrote on, like, uh, I think on Threads or some social app, like, maybe it was Twitter, now known as X, which I refuse to say. Uh, can um, can you warn us when Aaron is going to sing? So I'm not going to sing. I'm just letting you know. Oh, about, about same old song? It. Yeah, yeah, because I sang on an episode or something. And I thought it was lovely. So, Thank but, um, you, and you know, and that's really what Paul is getting at. Love, love be genuine, hate what is evil and, uh, uh hold fast to what is good and your singing is good. And so we should hold fast <laughs> to that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, this is one of those passages where it is, um, it preached one way is law, which is good and holy and true. Mm-hmm. It is, um, things that you should do, uh, serve the Lord, hate what's evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another, outdo one another in showing honor. Um, and some stuff that we don't like to hear um, that's a lot harder. Bless those who persecute you. Um, you know, we don't, we don't like that. Don't repay anyone for evil. What? Don't repay evil for evil? What? Yeah. I want to sue the pants off of you. I want to see you go down. I want to damage your reputation like you damaged mine, all these sorts of things. Um, so that's a little bit harder. We don't like to hear that one that much. Mm. Um, but even so, preaching these things... Um, uh, as prescription, be like this, good and true as it is, might not have the outcome that you desire. Um, and so, Jake, as you say, this is a not a prescription as much in terms of how it's preached, but a description of what mm-hmm. what 
the renewed life in Christ looks like. You know, be transformed by the renewing of your minds, as we have been talking about in this Romans, as we've been going through this lectionary. Um, as you are transformed by the renewing of your minds, the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what it looks like as the Holy Spirit begins to do his work in you. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, this is so. If you remember earlier in chapter 12, he basically refers, calls us to uh, be living sacrifices. You know, and uh, the language here is that of uh, priesthood. And this is what uh, God uh, makes all Christians, a priesthood, a holy nation. This is, this is it. And so this becomes, uh, this becomes a description of who we actually are in Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, the truth is, is that um, ultimately this particular passage sounds a real sermon on the mountie, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, absolutely. I love the idea of bless them that curse, you know, cl- curse you and, uh, you know, and do all of this. But, you know, the truth is, is that this is easier said than done. I mean, weep with those who weep. How many times have you been in a room, pastors, and you may have done this, but when someone begins to cry, I mean, like genuinely weep. I'm not talking about like kind of sort of holding it back, but really, I mean, snot starts running from the nose. How many times have you gotten uncomfortable and immediately handed out a Kleenex? You know what I mean? Gave them the, because you can't handle that. That's that's subconsciously what's going on. I always say, man, let them cry that out. Get it out. Use uh, their sleeves. Yeah, this is I actually put tissues in my office Mm -hmm. where they can grab them, but I never offer them for that exact reason. Because I don't want to say, like, stop crying. I'm uncomfortable. Right, but this is is, uh, ultimately what God is doing through us. And, uh, and, you know, and in the midst of our laments, in the midst of our even cursing God like uh, Jeremiah does, the fact of the matter is, is that the Holy Spirit at work in us uh, uh, will not be conquered by evil, but conquers evil with good. And so, and uh, this is, you know, and the truth is, you know, there's all these wonderful courses and how can you resist evil, um, uh, you know, but evil's not something in and of itself that we can fight against. Uh, you know, evil is something that uh, God must do and uh, God must take care of. And he takes care of it uh, in us and through us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And being loved, you are empowered then to be a priest, a royal nation. Uh, uh, and uh, you are Christ to your neighbor and to the world around you. And uh, not in the sense of dying, but in the sense of being an atoning sacrifice you bless the world. And, you know, the truth is, is that in Jesus, for the sake of your neighbor, you have nothing to lose. Uh, and you have nothing to lose because in Jesus, you're already dead already and alive to God in Christ. And so um, so you can bless yeah. people. And that's what this is. If you turn this into you better do it, then you've missed the whole point. Uh, the point is, is going back to chapter 12, verses 1. Therefore, in view of God's many sacrifices, uh, everything that he's done for you, Offer yourself yep. up as a living set, not trying to earn something from God, but nourished by him through word and sacrament. Yep. Uh, he has served you to the very end itself and met you right where you're at to send you forth out uh, in service of your neighbor. And this is what Paul is describing here in Romans, and that's how it should be preached. Yeah, and this is, um, I wish, when you ask people, what does the Christian life look like? Um, what would it look like to live a holy life? Like, go ask your youth group that or something, or go ask a bunch of, um, I don't know, Christian gathering. And um, I'm not sure that they would say, it looks like feeding your enemies. Mm-hmm. They might say feeding the poor. Mm-hmm. 
that quite doesn't go far enough, I think. And this is the other thing that you have to mention if you preach this passage is that this is a description primarily of what Jesus Christ looks like. Yeah. Um, who, when he is hung on the cross, hanged on the cross, says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he forgives the centurion. You know, all, it's amazing. And, and um, if I do enemies love are the, hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. What I do love? love the heaping coals. But, uh, you know. With the yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. So there's like an acknowledgement that, that some justice needs to be handed out and that God will take care of it. But in a way that is surprising and maybe not what you would think. Yeah. Um, because if you get in the John Wick slash Kill Bill mode of vengeance, mm -hmm. like it will destroy your soul, um, uh, and um, it will dehumanize you in that process. So this is a this is a picture of what Christ's life is like, and it is a picture of what the Christian looks like as the Holy Spirit does work in them. Amen. And what would it be like? Wouldn't it be an incredible thing if um, if enemies fed one another? Mm. Uh, that would be. Really amazing. We're not too good. We're good at pointing fingers and telling people why mm -hmm. they're bad. Um, but what if we love them? Yeah. Anyways. Well, this... I know uh, a guy who did it once, but... Yeah. Uh, and it's not you or me. All right, Matthew 16. Uh, we get to that man who did this thing of loving enemies. Uh, Jesus, and he's talking about the, the, that exact thing. He has to undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised. This is Matthew 16, 21 through 28. And it comes right after, and this is so key, and we kind of alluded to it last week. It's right after that conversation at Caesarea Philippi where Jesus says, but who do you say I am? And Jesus says, you're the, or Peter says, you're the Messiah, the son of God. And he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for you, you know, this was revealed to you and upon this rock I'll build my church. And so Peter's gotten a real gold star. And then. A few verses later, he totally rebuked, you know. Uh, so basically what Jesus begins to uh, describe is, is what the work of the Messiah is going to be. And it's completely counterintuitive. You remember he's asked them, who do you say that the Son of Man is? And then who do you say that I am? And, yeah. um, uh, and uh, it's so funny. I was doing some research on this particular passage for, you know, the Sunday that we're preaching on the previous text. And I didn't know that Caesarea Philippi, there's a cave there. I've seen the cave, but I didn't know at the time that they believed that that was one of the entrances into Hades, the underworld. And that in the, winter, uh, in the wintertime, they had a winter uh, sex festival there because they um, believed that all of these, uh, there was like these um, uh, fertility goddesses that like would, would show up and, uh, and uh, be at that part of the entrance. So I've always wondered what they were doing there. But anyway, um, probably not for that. But uh, he's just said, you know, well, who do you say that I am? And he says, I'm, you're the son of God. But all of these gods and goddesses here, they've all, like, they're victorious. They're amazing. And, uh, and they beckon us all to reach out and become victorious and amazing as well. And uh, Jesus completely flips world religion on its head. And uh, you know what I mean? Completely mm -hmm. flips our entire understanding of what, what religion is, making our way to God, climbing, ascending, escaping. And he says, nope, real religion is this. I'm going to be handed over to the son of, I'm going to be handed over to the chief priests, elders, and scribes. And, um, and I'm going to be killed and I'm going to be on the third day be raised. And they're just like, what are you talking about, Willis? You've completely missed the point of what the Son of Man is. He's the one who's in the right hand of the Father of Ancient of Days. And what are you talking about? 
And, uh, and, and Jesus just looks at Peter and he goes from the top of the class right to the bottom so that he might understand eventually what this is all about. And he says, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. Uh, for you're set in your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And that's because Jesus is totally human as well. And boy, that's a tempting proposition to get out of it. Maybe if we participate in a midwinter sex festival, you know, things will be all right too. But that's not how it's going to be. It's going to be through suffering and ultimately death. And it's got to be through suffering and death because suffering and death reveals uh, who and what we're really all about, ultimately. Um, there's this great, uh, great book called um, The Illustrated Man by Ray Bradbury, and it's got a bunch of short stories, and there's one, and these guys' spaceship have been hit, and it's been ripped apart by a mediator, by a meteor, and uh, they're all about to die, and uh, the beautiful thing about this short story is that death reveals actually who they are and what they're ultimately all about, and um, uh, and it is uh, in death that we, uh, it's revealed too that um, there's so much more to life than just simply this. Uh, for our younger listeners, uh, the reference to Willis earlier was a character from <laughs> Different Strokes, a 1986 involving that. an elderly white widower who adopted two <laughs> black children in New York City, a show that would not get made today. Uh, <laughs> but all. yeah, I think um, this. To me, the key, the, the key verse here is what Jesus says to Peter, you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Peter thinks he's setting his mind on divine things because he's trying to protect Jesus because no self-respecting religious leader would ever be killed. No self-respecting religious leader would ever take a path of shame and humiliation and death. And so um, he thinks he's doing the right thing, the divine thing, to protect this divine representative. But it turns out that that is a human way of thinking because human beings chase glory, human beings chase success, human beings chase to fill the ego. But God, because God is perfect, believes in not ego but love, um, not in... um, building oneself up, but in giving oneself away for others. So this is, um, it turns out, and, and I think in terms of how you make the rubber meet the road for, for people in your congregation, if you're preaching this, is that many of us, like Peter, actually don't want Jesus to die. You know, we... we, um, we but why? That's because, a good question. Because if... if to save us, what it requires is the death of God. It means we are not able to save ourselves. It, it is a huge yeah, insult to my ability to be. we're going to die too. <laughs> well, we're going to die and we can't save ourselves. Like, we like to believe that, you know, yeah. Jesus, he helps us 90%, 95%, but there's still like 5% I do, I contribute. 10% I contribute on my own. Like, I, you still got to be sort of good on your own a little bit. Um, and... And that's not what this is about. If, if the human predicament is so awful that Jesus must take all of that sin and die and rise again, as he says, like that is such an, um, that is such an indictment and, and sort of devastating diagnosis of how deep our problem is. Um, mm. we, would, we would rather that not be the case. We'd like to maybe save ourselves a little bit. And so um, and the, the, re- the place where you know maybe um, you'd, where you, you kind of resent this, like Peter, um, is if I were to tell you your good deeds count for nothing, um, 
you know, we, we really like, we treasure those things. We want to feel good and important. And that's, and that's what this is saying, is that actually those good deeds don't really get you very far. Um, and so he says, if you want to become my followers, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, meaning come and die. Um, and so he's inviting you to the way of death. He's waiting, inviting you to Christianity that is downwardly mobile um, because it is in losing yourself and your project of um, personal attempt to be a little god uh, that you, you find peace and rest. You're no longer such a terrible person to live with, just dictating orders to everybody. Um, yeah. You realize that you yourself are a flawed human being, and you become someone who's, who's a little gracious and a little patient, and a little merciful. Um, and that's, so that's, that's, that's what's the, revealed yeah. in that il the illustrated man there, is that, you know, um, where people are actually at. And uh, those that you thought, hey, maybe you had my best interest in mind, are really... Uh, trying to hold me down to get that last grasp of air. And those who, uh, those who you know, I didn't pay much attention to and didn't think that was that important are ultimately the ones um, who will die graciously uh, with me. And, you know, yep. that's, that's the beautiful thing about the gospel is, is that on one level it says in your death you're not alone and uh, that the, yeah. you can bear your cross uh, because the Savior of the world didn't escape the cross, rather he entered into it as well. And so, um, and uh, and indeed in this age, well, I mean, what's it profit us? Because this age is passing away. And so, mm -hmm. but real life is found in him and uh, in service to him and ultimately service to our neighbor through that. Yeah. And this great thing, this passage lets us know that, yes, divine, the, the place in your life that you feel like God has abandoned you, the place that is hard and humiliating and tough, the pit, that that's where God works. That That's the divine thing, actually, um, as opposed to your winning a trophy. Real quick, just as a side, you know, Bible answer man here. Uh, this has always been a confusing kind of... But truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in the kingdom. Uh, just for those of you who are like, what's that about? That's about the next chapter, the transfiguration. So anyway, um, uh, they, uh, Peter, James, and John get a glimpse of the Son of Man in his kingdom. Right. And people who don't understand that will look at this and say, oop, the Bible's wrong because mm. they, the, the apostles all died before Jesus returned again, the second coming of Christ. And so they think that Jesus fibbed here a little bit or didn't know what he was mm -hmm. talking about. But that's when he talks about the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, that's not mm -hmm. what he's talking about. All right. Well, thank you, Bible Answer Man. Yep. We'll see you all next week, and happy preaching. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.